We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, we are reviewing the 1989 superhero film, Batman. 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 But before we get too far into the review, uh, while you are listening right now at this moment, unless you are driving or operating machinery, we would love it if you would take the time to go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Even just a quick, simple review like, hey, I've been listening to this and it hasn't been the worst thing I've heard all day. That'd be that, a great you, review. That would be yeah. a fantastic review. Um, and if you're my mom, um, I'll explain how to um, open up the podcast app um, later. But we really appreciate it. It helps us out in rankings. And um, thanks for doing that. But let's get into the review. So Batman, um, this movie came out in 1989. And this is actually the first time I had seen it since... I want to say, like, sometime it was playing on TV, like, in my childhood. It's definitely the first time I've seen it since the Dark Knight movies came out. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's the same for me, too. Yeah. And this movie, when it came out, man, it has such an interesting history of how this movie got made. Um, So there is a guy named uh, Michael Uslan, who's a producer on Batman, and for a while he was a huge batman fan he was really into the batman comics and in the 70s you know we, we there's a adam west batman mm-hmm. that kind of happened earlier and there was another there's like the adam west batman had a batman movie that is just just the joy to watch like if you watch that movie you're like how did any how did any of the nolan films get made because mm-hmm. it's super campy um, is where the punches have like the pow, zip, pow, like those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so around the seventies, uh, Batman's popularity was, was waning, and then enters no pun uh, intended. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. In fact, CBS was interested in producing a Batman in outer space film. I kid you not. Wow. Um. So Michael Uslan purchased the film rights for Batman from DC Comics on October 3rd, 1979. And that was a big thing because he had the vision of Batman being like the comic books, like a darker character, really um, interesting and not campy at all. Like when he saw the Adam West Batman, he was super disheartened. Um, and it took him several years to get this movie made. So he bought the film rights in 1979 and Virtually no studio wanted it because everyone's was like, no one's going to want to see a movie about the Adam West Batman. <laughs> um, and for a while, he was kind of right. Um, but uh, after getting a couple of people together, they uh, basically said, announced at a comic art convention. So it wasn't Comic-Con. It was like a version of Comic-Con in New York that they were going to make it with no studio involvement. For $15 million. Um, and, and that was July of 1980. Now, again, this movie came out in 1989. So it took them like several, several years of development. And it wasn't until the financial success of Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice 
that Mr. Tim Burton uh, got hired on to do the film. Wow. Yeah. Like, because um, Warner Brothers was like, after he announced that they were going to make this movie and they got several, uh, like, solid scripts written, they finally said, okay, let's go with it. But it took them years and years of going back and forth of, like, okay, well, what direction is this going to be? Who's going to be the script writer? Who's going to be the star? Um, and so many actors were in consideration for the role, including Mel Gibson. Kevin Costner, Charlie Sheen, Tom Selleck, Bill Murray, Harrison Ford, and Dennis Quaid. Wow. Just just for Batman. Just for Batman. Because I know for the Joker, Robin Williams was offered the role, and they, whenever Jack Nicholson kind of hesitated about doing it, mm-hmm. and then uh, they, they told Jack Nicholson, was like, well, if you don't do it, Robin Williams will, and then that's when he agreed to sign on. Yeah. And Robin Williams was actually really upset about that, that he was being used as bait, that mm-hmm. he refused to play the Riddler in Batman Forever and uh, didn't want to be a part of any Warner Brothers productions until the studio said, you know, we're, we're sorry for, for pulling that move. Yeah. And um, even before Robin Williams, Ray Liotta and William Defoe um, was considered for Robert De Niro, too. Yeah. Robert De Niro, I would have loved to see. William Willem Dafoe, man, like that guy just does not need any kind of makeup. Like they, that would have been easy. That would have been an easy job. Just like, okay, Willem Dafoe, just, just go out, just be yourself. Yeah, I think I think Robert De Niro is a really weird choice because what does that guy look like when he's smiling? <laughs> You're right. I don't. It's like a I downward have... smile. I think. <laughs> It's a smile, but it's the opposite. <laughs> I think just seeing Robert De Niro smile would have just been very unsettling for the audiences. <laughs> oh, no, it just feels wrong. Tim Curry and David Bowie and John Lithgow were uh, also considered for the Joker. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so this movie was a very unlikely movie to be made. And a lot of comic book fans were, understandably so, uh Concerned when uh, they were told that Michael Keaton was going to be Batman because they were like, Michael Keaton? You mean Mr. Mom? How's he going to be Batman? Yeah, but people said the same thing when Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker. Exactly. Like the guy from Knight's Tale? Come on. (laughs) You mean 10 things I hate about you? That guy? But yeah, I mean, people hadn't seen him in this kind of role, but they were pleasantly surprised once the movie actually came out. I mean, this movie um, grossed uh, $43.6 million uh, in 2000 theaters when it uh, first came out in its opening weekend and broke the opening weekend record set by Ghostbusters 2 one week later. And it was the highest grossing movie of 1989. The entire year. All of the year that movie owned. It was also a very special year because it came out on Batman's 50th birthday. Yeah. Happy, happy, man, Batman, you don't don't look a year older than Ben Affleck. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, yeah, and the movie is just, it, it, really launched the superhero genre as we know it today uh, or the superhero movie genre um it was darker it was the first dark gritty reboot really mm-hmm. um because you know they had the super campy 
uh, Adam West Batman. Then you had this one that was way darker. In fact, when the first set of VHS tapes that went out, they actually had to grade the they had to grade the movie lighter just because people in theaters were like, I had a hard time seeing everything. It was super dark. <laughs> so the first run of um, VHSs had like a slightly lighter gain on it. Um, wow. That always makes a movie look great. <laughs> when, really... you, when you adjust what the cinematographer intended. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it has yet to go wrong <laughs> yeah it's interesting that you mentioned the darkness of it uh looking back on it now now that we have the dark knight trilogy to compare it to this seems campy compared to the dark oh, knight yeah. i was talking to a friend of ours oliver toll who uh, worked with fanboy radio for a long time deep into comics he was talking about the reaction to these films uh was that these were the dark ones because they were when they came out, people were used to the Adam West version with boom, mm-hmm. pow, bang, gee willikers, Batman. And this was totally different. Like People were being killed. Like the Joker oh, yeah. is killing people in mass yeah. amounts. And so uh, just the, the idea that this was gritty for the time is interesting. And again, something that we touch on with a lot of these movies, watching these movies in the context of when they were released – um, can a lot of the times make it uh, a much more pleasurable experience. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about just, like, some of the technology that Batman had, um, just, like, his, like, <laughs> I like seeing, like, his 10 screens that were all just little boxes. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. And he has to rewind is- and fast forward. Yeah. <laughs> I got to turn this back into Blockbuster before it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and something that I was surprised about, uh, was, you know, of course this was 1989, but like Tim Burton's use of like actual cell animation for a lot of scenes. Like, the first time we see Batman is like a little um, rotoscoped animation of him standing on top of a miniature building and then turning around and walking inside. Mm. And even all the lights were animated in a certain way. And I thought that was really interesting. And you can tell in a couple of scenes of the use of uh, miniatures. But I was really impressed with how often they used it, but also how they used it to get that effect. Because, like, 3D animation and CGI wasn't, like, as commonplace right. as it is today, which, you know, they've used it in pretty much all the Batman movies that have been released so far in some shape, way, or another. Um, but it was super, super interesting to see, like, oh, wow, like, this was what they had. Like, this is... This is the the A game. Like this is the they use miniatures to like blow up these buildings, or to um, or to uh, like show lights shining because they blew their entire budget all on uh, the Joker's makeup. <laughs> yeah, well, Tim Burton is one of the most patient animators. Oh um, yeah, slash directors, and so I mean, you look at Nightmare Before Christmas, painstaking animation. And so it makes sense that he would utilize that here. Yeah. And the last little bit I'll add into the history portion of this segment is uh, the I'm Batman line Mm -hmm. actually was uh, Michael Keaton's like thing. Like he was supposed to say, I am the knight. But um, Keaton said, I'm Batman. And then (laughs) a meme was born. (laughs) Forever to be implanted yeah. in the minds of comic lovers everywhere. 
Oh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to go into another thing, but that belongs in another segment, which we will now go into reactions. So, Grayson, like, when you watch the movie, what is your reaction to it? Like, because you said this is your first time seeing it since the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, so at first I was like, wow, did I just like this because I was younger or because, like, <laughs> I didn't know how dark Batman could be? And um, at first it, it seemed really campy. And uh, I had, I mean, and to some degrees it is by our standards today. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne because he plays it very psychological. He's a mm-hmm. messed up guy. He's he dresses in a bat suit and he's fascinated by normal people because he surrounds himself with the abnormal. And I yeah. think that that plays itself really well. Um I also like that there was um forethought in a lot of the casting choices. Like Billy mm-hmm. D Williams plays Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. Yet and so if you're a fan you you know like okay that's Two-Face. Billy D. Williams is going to become Two Face, um, but they don't play that here, and so there's a little bit of that. You can exist in the world of Gotham City without giving everything away in just one story. Like focus up your story. Mm-hmm. It's not about Two Face in this movie, um, but he can still exist there. Um, again, the plan was for him to become Two Face, but they bought out his contract by the time Batman Forever came along, mm-hmm. and. Um, went with Tommy Lee Jones instead. Um, but that, that forethought there of these characters are going to exist and circulate around each other, I think um, ultimately if they had kept with the plan, would have built this really cool foundation for the that version of Batman movies. But yeah, yeah I, I love Michael Keaton. I think, uh, I think that Alfred in this movie is excellent. Uh, I, I will say I've never had an Alfred that I didn't like. For some reason, they're always spot on with casting Alfred. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even Jeremy Irons in the new one, I'm just like, yes. Yeah, I'm already I'm on board with him. Yeah. Yeah, when I... So I I feel like this was like the first time for me seeing that movie because I, I more vividly remember uh, Batman Returns because of all the promotional McDonald's material that they had out, like the commemorative Batman mm. glasses that they had, uh, like cups, not the spectacles. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember Batman Returns more than I remember this Batman. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I didn't realize that came from here is, uh, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Like, I didn't realize <laughs> that that was from this movie. I was like... This is from the bat because I've heard that phrase and that being referenced in like all different kinds of TV shows. I think like on American Dad, probably Family Guy. But like when he said that, I was like, "Wait, what? This, what? This is yeah, amazing." He's pretty erratic. Yeah, like he's he's out there. Um, and it was interesting to see because I was a huge fan of the Batman animated series, which was directly inspired by this show it's one of the uh few like movie cartoon adaptations or cartoon adaptations of a movie that like really lasted the test of time because back in the day if there was a successful movie there was going to be an animated tv show based off of it 
Like it just it just kind of happened. It's like, oh great, here's a movie and here's a cartoon show. Like there's an Ace Ventura pet detective animated series, there's oh, a yeah. Dumb and Dumber animated series, there is a mask animated series, um, all of which I watched and loved repeatedly. But Batman the animated series was deeply inspired by the art deco style of of this movie. And it kind of to me because of my association to just the stylistic setting of Batman the Animated Series, I wasn't as taken out of the movie by, I guess, it supposing to be a modern-day movie. Because the Art Deco style just had, like, a retro feel to it anyway. Like, the technology wasn't supposed to be super advanced. It was, I think, supposed to be... I, I felt like it was taking place in... a a futuristic version of the seventies almost. Yeah. And so that's what I really liked about the style of it and the Batman anime series. I mean, animation just wasn't being done like that. Um, it was super slick. Um, it expanded the whole DC animated universe. Like without that, we wouldn't have like the Superman adventures or the justice league or uh, justice league unlimited just in that cinema or animated universe. Like this movie opened the doors for that, and um, and it was, I, I really liked that style of it. And when I first watched it, like I noticed that the pacing was just a little bit slower, mm-hmm. and it was one of the first times where I was like, okay, great. So like they're really building this up into being kind of like what a lot of people have been saying about the Dark Knight movies. It's more like a crime movie it's like more of a crime action drama that just so happens to have batman in it yeah um and i like that because like they started with the um jack nicholson's character as the joker as jack um and (laughs) he and the his whole mob association and just like the state of crime in gotham um (laughs) that the i think the only thing that took me out of the movie um was just the (laughs) The family, the lost family at the very beginning. It's like, oh man, oh, I don't know where to go. Let's walk down this dark alley. Maybe this will get us to where we need to be. <laughs> He's like, walks directly down a dark alley. I was like, ah, I get it. We need to get Batman to show up, but is this, this is the way we're going to do it. But I think watching it, if, if you've been waiting for a Batman movie and you know the origins of Batman, you immediately assume that that's the Wayne family. They, I did think that, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so you're expecting it. And then they start calling each other different names. And you're like, wait a minute, who are these people? And then Batman's already Batman. So I did appreciate that, that a little bit of a misdirect. But also we didn't open with an origin story. It was just right. trickled out. Whereas, I mean, now every superhero movie, you have to see like from the very beginning. But how does, zero. But how does Batman begin that's what I'd really like to see. Well, he really doesn't like Wells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I did appreciate that because this movie uh, with the origin, it was just one flashback. But the flashback was tied into connecting the story together. Mm-hmm. And I, even though this is a departure from the source material in the comics, like sure. and, um, I like that they tied that together with the Joker being the responsible or being responsible for 
killing Batman's parents. And because it made them, he's like, you created me, I created you. I'm going to kill you. I was just like, oh gosh, Batman. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, story arc wise, it's absolutely necessary for the Joker to be the one. Because other than that, he doesn't have a huge story arc. Like He let Vicky Vale in. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a little different, but there's no real closure with Batman as a character for this specific movie if right. it wasn't the Joker that caused his origins. Um, yeah, typically it's it's Joe Chill who mm-hmm. who is responsible for it. But yeah, from a storytelling perspective, if you're going to do a one-off movie, much stronger mm-hmm. choice to make it the main bad guy. Absolutely. Yeah, and then I think... The other thing that I, um, or at least a fun fact, I'd say, uh, because I know everyone's been wondering, how many times uh, Vicky Vale screams throughout this movie? <laughs> um, the answer is 23 times when she's in danger, just when she thinks she's in danger, and she gasps a uh, total of six times. Uh, not to be outdone by, uh, that's all I got. Um <laughs> Another interesting thing is that Michael Keaton is responsible. Like he, it was his idea to do Batman's voice in a lower register when he was portraying Bruce Wayne. Like a lot of people uh, gave uh, Christian Bale a lot of flack for doing. Wait, the movie looks dark. You got to sound darker. <laughs> well, it uh, it was said that Michael Keaton was so claustrophobic in the suit, like he couldn't hear anything, he yeah. couldn't turn his head, which ended up being a joke in later Batman films. I love that. But he was so claustrophobic that it put him in the right mindset and mood to be the dark, brooding Batman. So I think that probably contributed to his choice as well, because he just wanted to rip his way through that suit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it's it's. Um, I, I think I loved the direction that they took Joker in. Like when Joker kept saying, "Listen, I'm an artist, okay? Listen, I just want to like listen. People think I'm a really I'm an artist, and so I love that direction with him because each Joker is just certifiably mad in their own right in very distinct uh, ways. Oh, yeah. Well, seeing Jack Nicholson's Joker, it's just like, oh, my goodness. Like, this guy's crazy. Like, when no one is around, he's just talking to himself and making himself laugh. I'm like, this guy is mad. Like, he's just crazy. And I love it. And then I think my favorite moment, like, <laughs> in the moment I was just like, oh, man, this movie is intense, is when Batman takes his grappling hook and shoots it into a person and then just hangs them over this railing. I'm like, did Batman just shoot a grappling hook into a guy? That's yeah, Batman crazy. kills some people. Yeah, yeah. Like Batman's whole no-kill policy is like very iffy here. Like he seeks out to kill the Joker and basically does. <laughs> yeah, and also like drops a bomb in the middle of their warehouse. And drives the Batmobile out. It's like, no, it's the kind of bomb where nobody died, but they just blew up the infrastructure? I don't think so. (laughs) You killed everybody that was in that building. Uh, Yeah, that and their livelihood because they have jobs that they can't (laughs) go to in the morning 
So think about that, Bruce Wayne. Long-term damage. <laughs> Long-term damage. Gotham is hard enough. Straight out of Gotham. <laughs> Straight out of Gotham. Another thing, like, I know I talked about this re- uh, briefly, but, like, the style in Gotham, like, Gotham style, that is my aesthetic. Like, I would love to just go to whatever uh, shopping mall that everyone in Gotham went to, which mm-hmm. I'm sure is just a time capsule to the 90s. I loved everyone's style. Like, the <laughs> the ties, the suits, everything. Yeah, there's a moment when the Joker's looking through some of the surveillance photos and uh, he sees the the reporter that's working with Vicky Vale. He sees uh, Knox, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Bad tie." It's like you can barely see the tie, but <laughs> it's, there is an emphasis on that kind of style. Yeah. Um, another thing I noticed about we we earlier we were talking about the alley that uh, the Waynes were walking down. Yeah. Um, or just like the general alley that's in Gotham, mm-hmm. uh, it appears that that alley's right outside the Metro building, uh, which appears in a majority of the exterior shots. So mm. I'm not exactly sure what the layout of Gotham is, but it just seems like one big circle. And if you're on the perimeter of the circle, you get shot. Yep. Yeah, it's just one big cul-de-sac, just mm. like a, inside the city and... It's Crime Alley. I don't know why so many people are circulated there. Should just tape it off. <laughs> just tape it off. Yeah. The um, <laughs> yeah. The other thing that I thought was um, really interesting was how Batman did solve crimes. Like he said, "Hey, get me this file from this guy." And it's like a physical file. I'm just like how like that. I think that's really a testament to like how good of a detective Batman is because you would think nowadays, oh, you just download the file because they're all online. But like he had to know someone like at the police precinct like to get the physical file, like yeah. the, the file. Like if it's not there, it's like, oh, where's this file? It's like, I don't know. Someone else has it. That was something that I didn't realize. I was like, oh, wow. Like this is how it was done before computers like if you needed a file on someone, you had to get the physical file. And I thought yeah. that was that was just something that I, that caught me off guard. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> he has the that. file. Hey, where's that file? Well, no. I guess some guy just came in. Who collated this? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Commissioner Gordon also is pretty hands-off in this. Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's Gordon, but he's not the Gordon that we've come to know through shows like Gotham or yeah or even Dark Knight. Yeah, and no, this Gordon was very much uh sir not appearing in this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he made like some like he had random phrases to say, but he he didn't play as central of a role, but mm-hmm. he in the next in the following series, he definitely does. And I yeah. think that kind of goes into the whole building out the universe like I, he did need to earn batman's trust um because he, he's like i don't know about this guy he's like but batman wrote a letter um it's like oh we have his letter from batman which i assume just had batman stationary his letterhead on top <laughs> from um, the desk of batman <laughs> from, from the desk of batman <gasps> don't worry i got you this this is my light you can call me if you like um which uh, is uh, just a, the best gift uh, I think you could ever give a city. Um, 
And the one thing that I couldn't, I, I couldn't figure this out. I couldn't uh, find what this was for. And if you can, if you guys are listening to this and you do know why, please let us know on Twitter at flashback flicks. But why does Batman's logo have the little feet, the little feet on his costume, but it's never anywhere else. Hmm. Like he has a little feet. Like, so Batman, the logo is just the five tip little Batman thing. But on the one that, uh, he's wearing, it's like this, these two little wing tips that I assume are bat feet. Um, and it was just bothering me just seeing it. What about when he's in the bat wing and he ETs across the moon? Are, are they uh, are they there for that moment? No. Okay. Like it's uh, so it's these little things. Like why are these things here when it's not oh. they're here? Too many points makes it messy. Yeah. It's like someone took a bite out of the bat signal. <laughs> it's like this is the one. This is the logo made after their kid like ate a cookie in the shape of Batman. Like look, mom, I made this. <laughs> Anyway, that that was like just a thing um, that I was a little confused by. And also, the Batmobile, man, when that thing, when the Batmobile showed up, I'm just audibly screaming. I'm just like, yeah, because like that Batmobile is so iconic, and this like it was just one of the coolest things in my childhood. Just that version of the Batmobile, where it it makes it so cool but also inconvenient that Batman has to shoot a grappling hook out in order to make left turns. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. Well, it's a cool element of introducing something he has that can outdo the villains. Yeah. 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 Like they, they can both steer, but he's got this one little thing that makes him make hmm. sharp, sharp turns. Yeah. Yeah, the Batmobile was super amazing. Yeah. And um it, it was cool. It was cool to see the kind of like the first superhero movie that kind of like ignited that genre. Um and kind of set the bar for it too. And those are our reactions. Now we're gonna go into one of my favorite segments of the show. Um Headcanon. Headcanon. <laughs> Where's where's Candace? Candace is a part of the show where we share our unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the movie. So I can't remember where I've talked about this headcanon, but it's definitely not here. So I'm excited to share it. Now, in the Batman movies, Mm -hmm. um, there is headcanon that points to this movie being... Or or these series of movies, like from Batman to Batman and Robin, that these are movies that take place after the Dark Knight trilogy. Interesting. Here's here's why. So at the end of Dark Knight Rises, the real Bruce Wayne and the original Batman basically retire. Mm -hmm. And then um, we have Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who we are led to believe assumes the new role of Batman, right? Right. We also know that, or, or more of like a Nightwing situation. Right. Um, yeah. And his whole theme of, in the movie was him saying, Hey, like people don't need to know who I am because Batman is meant to be a symbol uh, of hope and this, that the other. And we also know that Bane, um, destroys a lot of Gotham 
Like, mm-hmm. he, like, lets all these craters. Like, there's a lot of destruction. So the head cannon works like this. They rebuild the city. And the, so much so that they have, like, they almost go, Gotham goes through, like, a renaissance. So that would justify the huge Art Deco buildings. And this can take place years later, um, like, maybe a generation or two later, where um, Commissioner Gordon is older, because this Commissioner Gordon in he this series, older. he's w- older. And also, no one knows who Bruce Wayne is. Um, like they don't know what he looks like when they go to the party. She's like, Hey, uh, can you tell me which one of these guys is Bruce Wayne? Like, it's like, maybe he assumed the name of Bruce Wayne or just the identity of Bruce Wayne, or maybe he had a very similar childhood to Bruce Wayne. And he just like, his name was Bruce and maybe his parents were killed and he became this guy. He's like, I'm going to be, I'm going to uh, hold up the legacy of this Batman um, and he becomes Batman and everything just kind of resets and starts over again. So it's kind of like a madman situation. Who in the what now? Never mind. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, Don Draper. Oh, he's Batman. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Don Draper <laughs> is Batman. Don Draper's Batman. And he finds out that his company is rent controlled. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That's interesting. Now, is there any reference in the Dark Knight series to how old Gotham is? Because we know for sure that this one is 200 years old. It's the 200-year anniversary of Gotham City, which is why they're having that big festival. Interesting. I don't think so. Hmm. Because that would put definite timelines on it. Holds up. Holds up. It could also justify why Harvey Dent is he could be a uh like a the child or grandchild mm-hmm. of the Harvey Dent that we knew in the Dark Knight series. Yep. Oh absolutely. Yeah. It can always just be like a legacy role that kind of gets held up. Yeah, see when I was watching it, I was thinking that it could take place after the Dark Knight series. I hadn't heard that idea before but purely because in uh dark knight we never see the death of the joker um and so while we do have the origin stories of the joker it's it would be interesting if this somehow could take place before and after like this is how the joker was created uh and then dark knight happens and then this is how the joker ends to give it an arc um doesn't really make sense visually or even story-wise but you do between the two movies get to see beginning, middle and end for that character. It'll yeah. be interesting to see what's introduced with suicide squad. Yeah. yeah to I'm add re- to the Joker story. Oh man. Like each Joker, just the variety of crazy that they show. I can't wait to show you my toys. I'm like, ha, ah, no, this is, ah, I'm so afraid of all of you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another piece of headcanon I had is that, um, you just hear me out. Batman is a Time Lord. Oh. Uh, because he that's comes why he has clo- so many faces. That's why he has so many faces. And he just doesn't know it. Mm. And uh, he just regenerates every one or two movies. And the Batmobile is just a TARDIS with a variance on the chameleon circuit. You know it. Wow. Yeah. Which would mean that his father... 
was probably Gallifreyan. So maybe he's just part-time Lord. Yep, I'll take yep. it. That's why he's so uh, technologically and scientifically advanced and ingenuitive. Because he has all this technology at his disposal that no one else has. Because it's from the future. And Alfred is actually uh, the first incarnation of the Doctor. Yes! He spent a large amount of his time on Earth. Yes! I'm in. <laughs> I am in. He's helping himself. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Do you have any other headcan? Uh... Probably that Batman and the Joker are actually the same person. <laughs> yes. Go on. Please ex- elaborate. Well, clearly Batman is a disturbed individual. Mm-hmm. And uh, Batman and Joker have always had a relationship of duality that one can't really exist without the other. The public never really sees Batman and the Joker together. They're always... Those fights occur with goons or away from the police or only with Vicky, um, who would play like a fight club Marla role in all of this, Mm. where she knows clearly how disturbed he is. Um, If you want to take it a step further, um, Batman is actually, uh, well, I should say Bruce Wayne is a patient at Arkham Asylum. Oh, yeah. Who wrestles with both of these, uh, both of these personalities and alfred is actually his caretaker alfred is a a doctor at arkham uh so that's uh wayne manor is actually arkham asylum and the bat cave is his cell wow i love it i love it (laughs) i yeah because apparently a lot of people were complaining about like how much screen time the joker got in this movie he got taught billing he yeah. Jack Nicholson was billed over Michael Keaton yeah. in a Batman movie. Yep. <laughs> Jack Nicholson, and also Michael Keaton, Batman, the movie, <laughs> but really, yeah. the, the Joker. So maybe, yeah, maybe that's just a hint that, like, Jack Nicholson, or the Joker is getting top billing in Batman's mind, and Batman needs to, or Bruce Wayne's <laughs> mind, and Bruce Wayne needs to create Batman to defeat him. It's like Deadpool where he's actually aware of the credit <laughs> sequence. Yep. Yep. That's good. That's some solid headcanon. If nothing else, I would love to see a movie where the Joker tries to convince him of that. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Or the Scarecrow or, like, tries to convince him. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. It's like, why can't you kill us? Yeah. I like that. All right, so that's about does it with our headcanon. Now we're going to dive into recasts or remakes, uh, which was probably going to be a short segment because it has been done so and, many times, and so many times, so many times. Um, but the he, the he, I think the only thing I have here is this: because the Joker kept on harking on being an artist, mm-hmm. I want to cast Banksy as the Joker. <laughs> And it'd just be a series of art stunts. Yeah. Just around just around Gotham. And it's just it's a it's a Joker standalone film. And it's just like Banksy the artist like terrorizing, but doing very artful, thought provoking uh, art projects. Uh and then Batman ultimately has to stop him. 
I like that. The, the, the power of art. <laughs> I actually would really like to see Bradley Cooper as Bruce Wayne and Batman. <laughs> um, Bradley Cooper would do actually really he well. He would be good. John Hamm would be amazing. As we talked about Mad Men before, John Hamm would be a very good Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, and for the Joker, I don't know why we haven't seen James Franco. Oh. That, I think yes. he could be a really disturbing Joker. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's I've been watching through uh, 112263, the Hulu series. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, every time I see James Franco, I'm just like, man, why don't I watch more James Franco? <laughs> yeah, he's good. He's yeah. really good. Yeah, I think the... Um, oh, that's such a great... Yeah. I think if I were to um, recast it myself, I'd say... I don't know why, but George Clooney... Um, George Clooney as as uh, Bruce Wayne. Um, we'll keep Alfred and Commissioner Gordon the same. Um, but instead of Billy D. Williams, hear me out. Tommy Lee Jones. Oh wow, you are a visionary. All right, okay. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, I think you need multiple villains. So what if we had Poison Ivy? And Mr. Freeze. Wow. With a little bit of Bane. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Redo Bane. Man, that'd be so great. But we don't want Bane to take up too much of screen time. So let's just have him be like a henchman to Poison Ivy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And you know who could really like like a very strong female lead who we haven't seen in a while? Uma Thurman. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she I could she could play Poison Ivy, and they don't have Batgirl in there. So how about Alicia Silverstone? There we go. There we go. Is Batgirl, and you know what? Let's make her relate to Alfred. We'll figure out the uh, details later. And then was that a thing? That was a thing. <laughs> yes, they were related. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> it was. Oh man, you want to talk about jumping the shark? So basically, it's like, oh, this is my niece. Uh, Barbara, and he's like, "Why, why, why don't you have an accent?" It's like because movie, like, <laughs> wow. And they related, and the whole thing was like Alfred's dying, and um, only Mister Freeze has the cure for Alfred's disease, and Alicia Silverstone is in the movie, and she needs to be the driving force to make that connection. Wow, so it was like the Power Rangers movie, and <laughs> Alfred is Zordon. Yep, Alfred yeah. is Zordon. Basically. Wait, so she's Barbara Pennyworth in the movie? She is. Is there not a Barbara Gordon? Nope. Well, then. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly do think if they do the Riddler again, I honestly want Jim Carrey back in the role as a Riddler. I think it needs to be a continuation. It It, it needs to be the Riddler post-Arkham. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you would not believe the puzzles I cracked when I was in there. <laughs> I, I honestly, like, him like him in the giant green onesie, <laughs> a bit much. But I would love him to just, like, come back and to reprise his role. Like, that, that to me would just be amazing. Yeah. I have a surprise game for you this week. Okay. No- normally, you spring the surprises on me. I got one for you. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, let's play what villain would you be in the batman universe 
Uh, I didn't come up with a catchy name for it, but that's the that's the premise of it. Uh, what villain would you be? Yeah. What so what what element of your personality would you extrapolate and heighten to become a Batman villain? Okay. And what would your name be? And kind of what would your shtick be for messing up Gotham? That's good. I like that. Okay. Off the top of my head, I watch a lot of TV and movies. Uh huh. I eat a lot of pizza. Nice. Um, therefore, I would be the binge watcher. Binge watcher. Wow, that sounds actually kind of intimidating, right? Well, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I see it just like him, kind of being very, um, or oh, that would be interesting. I'm just going with like that premise. If I were to be called like the binge watcher, um, he kind of sets up these like fictional like he takes fictional scenarios and mm-hmm. like kind of tries to recreate them in real life like similar to what the riddler would do um but it would o- almost always be to like the demise of people or it kind of be like saw traps but in these uh less violent but like situational scenarios just like hey i'm going to recreate this episode of friends to your doom <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I think that the uh, the Christopher Nolan version of your character would just be called Binge, and yes. uh, or the Watcher. Ooh, the, the the Schumacher version would definitely be Binge Watcher. He would just call it that. But I think Tim Burton would probably call uh, your character Couch Potato. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. No, that that yeah. I like that. That's perfect. Yeah, and then he just like kind of skulks around the city. It's like you hear chips in the distance. <laughs> that's my, that's his calling car. But then it just ends up being like a trail of ruffles, just like down the street. Oh, which way do you go? Follow the trail of ruffles. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I I think mine would be writing based. I would probably have like a typewriter incorporated into it, mm-hmm. um, where like I write my own endings for people. And uh, it was something like, like, you got to stick to the script, like maybe the scribbler. I, I don't know. It Ooh. sounds like the Riddler, but. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, the scribbler. The scribbler. Uh, but yeah, basically that I, I write my endings and then I, I force people to like reenact these plays of, of death. Uh, might be one of them. Uh, and then there would also be puns incorporated. But like, have you seen my plot device? Oh, uh, like great plot. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Be, be pun on top of plot. Uh, so what yeah, would you some like kind of written, author. What would you like written on your tombstone? Right, right. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, maybe uh, certain yeah names could be the scribbler or typeface. I have <laughs> one. What was that? The spoiler. Spoiler. That's good. Where you basically tell people how they're gonna die spoiler. and they don't know when it's gonna happen. I like that. And oh. they, they would like, I would publish, I would send it to the papers where I publish uh, their obituaries before they've died. Oh, that's good. That's, oh man, I like that one the best. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Well, we got some solid Batman villains and now evidence in case these crimes are committed. <laughs> but we will be the prime suspects. Prime suspects. All right. Spoiler. And couch potato. No, I, 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 I no, no it's binge, I, binge watcher. No binge watcher or the watcher. Oh no, it's you, couch potato. Oh man. Uh, 
Awesome. Okay, guys. So lastly, uh, we're going to give you guys our reasons to recommend this movie. Uh, Grayson, why would you recommend this movie? It's Batman. It's Batman. Yeah, it's it's uh, basically the movie that kicked off a series of movies, even though it had movies before it about the same subject. Um, but there's something about this one that is considered the first Batman movie mm-hmm. um, to really tackle Batman in this manner. So whether it seems cheesy, campy, whatever, um, I mean, it won an Oscar. And so it, it actually does have a lot of uh, foundation for future Batman films. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally agree. Like he, like the movie as a whole, it's a, it's a great. Like, I feel like I was watching a historical document. Um, like <laughs> this movie, like really did jumpstart the superhero genre. Like I would argue, if we did not get this movie when it came out, we would not have as many of the great superhero movies as we know them today, because it sparked the fire that you can tell these stories in this way. Um, I don't think we would get the Nolan Batman films if we didn't have these movies to start with, uh, or this movie to start with really. And, um, it's, it's, I think it's an important superhero film to watch, uh, not only in the time of 1989, but also, um, in the era before, superhero movies were as popular as they are today. I feel like now we kind of are used to it, but like going back to when like that wasn't really commonplace. The only other movie like that was the Superman movies. Um, like, and that was like, that was it. Like there weren't a whole lot of, um, big budget blockbuster type superhero movies. Um, so I definitely think it's worth a watch for your history and for the Batman. So that about does it for our review of Batman, the 1989 movie. Let us know what you thought of the movie on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And let us know what you thought of our review again on iTunes. Leave us a review. It would really help us out. And if you do leave us a review, we promise to um, shine a Flashback Flicks uh, spotlight into the sky thanking you. Um, once we figure out the funding and the zoning laws for that. Yeah. Uh, I live in LA. Do you know how expensive power is? (laughs) Uh, ah, I'm sure we'll figure it out. We'll ask Bruce Wayne to give us a grant and be sure to tune in next time where we watch a movie in a single bound. That's right. With the 1978 film Superman. So be sure to watch that. Uh, so you can be part of the conversation next time right here on the Flashback Flicks podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind and rewind. Rewind.